Welcome to Dyslexia Notes, a space to examine the intersection between music and dyslexia. I'm Karen. I'm a professional oboist with over 25 years of experience as a performer and teaching artist. I also have dyslexia. I'm here to share some stories, strategies, and resources with the hope that they might help someone else along the way. Last spring, I posted my first episodes of this podcast. I shared some practice tips, personal experiences. Those episodes are still available if you want to check them out. I've grouped them all together as season one. Starting this episode, we are into season two. This time around, I'm going to investigate common traits of dyslexic thinking with an emphasis on how they can impact your music making. I'll be looking at decoding, functional memory, phonological awareness, maybe even a bit about executive functioning skills. I'm still kind of hammering it out, but that's the general direction we're headed. I'm also going to add a new segment at the end of each episode called resource review. I'm not a specialist in learning differences. I'm an oboist, so obviously my expertise is on the musical side. But over the last year, I found a lot of information that has been very helpful for me, and I'd like to share some of that with you. I'll be recommending websites, books, articles, you name it. There's a lot of great information out there, but I know there's probably tons more for me to find. So if there's a resource you think I should cover, please let me know. So as I was working on season one, I kept having these little moments of clarity where I'd recognize something from my own experience that I'd never connected to my dyslexia. Functional memory, perfect example. My inability to remember things has bugged me for years, but it never once occurred to me that it could be connected to the challenges I have decoding written information. In my brain, they were just two completely separate issues. But I kept finding sources that cited functional memory issues in dyslexia. And then I started to connect the dots. (laughs) I knew I had dyslexia, but I had an incorrect and incomplete understanding of what that actually meant. I thought it was just about decoding. It's so much broader than that. And one afternoon it dawned on me, I've had the wrong user's manual my entire life. (laughs) I had been raised with a neurotypical manual when I needed a dyslexic one. And understanding that dyslexia isn't just poor reading, It's a different system for processing information. Once I understood this, I started exploring some new practice strategies, and I feel like I'm finally making progress on the biggest problem I've had in my playing for my entire career. Little background, little explanation here. When I was a kid, I would stand in front of the mirror in my room pretending I was performing, and my mirrored image showed this player who was in total control, just oozing confidence and musicality. It was an idealized version of what a great musician was, and it was also an idealized version of myself that I wanted to bring to life. But my entire career, I've gone into performances with this ever-present lurking fear that I was going to fall apart at some point. And that fear was absolutely justified because I can be playing along fine, and then I just go off the rails. Suddenly, I am lost. I've often described these moments as dissociating. I wind up completely out of sync. I can't find my place in the music. I feel disoriented, confused. My body gets really panicky. The notes on the page suddenly look like soup and just my fingers have no clue what to do next. It's almost like everything goes cloudy, kind of gray for a minute, and I tend to feel a little dizzy. It's very hard to describe and I wouldn't recommend it. One star, very bad. (laughs) It can happen on a smaller scale when I'm reading text as well. I'll often realize that whatever I just read, I didn't process in the least. I have to go back and reread it. 
But that's way less stressful than when it happens on stage in front of 2,000 people. The worst part was that no matter how much I practiced, it still happened. It wound up making me feel like I was less of a musician, it amplified my already anxious nature, and it made me feel like there was something fundamentally wrong with me. So of course, this has been a huge challenge over the years. I've been able to develop recovery strategies, and I can get out of it faster than I could when I was younger, but it's really disconcerting, and it's hard to predict when it might happen or to figure out why it was happening. I just couldn't get the triggers, what was the cause. So the things I've learned about dyslexic thinking this year have helped me create a much better understanding of how my brain is operating. I'm able to identify potential triggers and tackle them while I'm practicing, and I've been much more solid on stage as a result. Like, I finally feel like I'm starting to bring that mirror girl into reality a bit. (laughs) Now, is my playing perfect? Of course not. There is no such thing as perfection. But I'm closer to my ideal way of practicing and playing, and I just feel better about it overall. It's great to finally feel like I have some understanding of what's going on and even better, some control over it. Recognizing that my brain needed this different user's manual, it's been amazing, but it's also gotten me thinking about how I got the wrong manual in the first place. Now, obviously, there's a much better understanding of dyslexia now than there was 30 years ago, and new research is coming forward all the time. So my age is absolutely a factor. But I think there's some bigger things at work, particularly when it comes to the musical side of things. When we go to school as kids, we aren't just learning information, we're learning how to learn. And our educational systems are built around instructional techniques that are going to have the greatest benefit for the greatest number of learners. If you have dyslexia, that means you're often learning using systems that are actually designed for neurotypical students. We know that there are functional differences in how a dyslexic thinker's brain operates. It's not good or bad, it's just different. But if you aren't addressing those differences, you're going to struggle to achieve the same competency levels as your peers. I think there has been a dramatic improvement in many schools. More students are getting diagnosed at a younger age, and there's certainly many more learning supports in place than when I came through. But I think these systems haven't fully permeated the musical sphere, particularly when we're discussing instrumental instruction. Systems like, you know, Suzuki, Kodai, Orf, they are very dyslexic friendly and they're very commonly used in lower grade levels. But when you get into the realm of private lessons, much of what we're taught is rooted in the conservatory style of instruction. And that relies heavily on doing things as they have always been done. Most teachers simply don't have the tools to recognize dyslexia or the knowledge needed to support students who have it. That's something that I hope will change as we develop a greater understanding of learning styles. I'm I'm very hopeful for the future, seeing all the research and things that are coming out. But if you have dyslexia or you think your student does, consider switching the user's manual. Find information about how dyslexic thinking works, then create practice practice strategies, (laughs) getting tripped up here, create practice strategies that are supportive of that learning style. Above all, give yourself some grace. This takes time and experimentation. So where do I start? You might ask, what are these practice strategies that you're using? And I promise I will get into that over the next few episodes, but I don't want to give away too much right now. 
I will say that the two biggest factors for me have been learning about issues with functional memory, as I mentioned, so giving students a longer timeline to learn things, and also phonological awareness. I can't stress the importance of that one enough. It's been huge. I keep telling my students, if you aren't hearing it accurately, you won't play it accurately. I am definitely weak in both of these areas. Just bringing my attention to them and practicing in a way that addresses them has been huge. Again, it's not that I don't make mistakes, but they aren't completely derailing me. It's very refreshing and it's so fun to perform now. And I hope that by sharing what I'm learning through this podcast, I I might be able to help someone else. So with that, I want to let you know some things I've been reading or watching that have been of interest. Some of it will be directly linked to music, some of it will not, but it's all been helpful. Welcome to Resource Review. (laughs) First up is a project from the European Union created to, quote, further develop, implement, and disseminate good practices in the area of inclusive education and learning technologies, end quote. Relevant to us is a booklet titled Teaching Learners with Dyslexia, subtitled Music. Now, there's a service called RoboBraille, and you can find the article by Googling that title and then looking for their webpage. I'll also try to link it in the description box for this episode, but I'm not sure that it'll transfer across all the different platforms. So I wanted to give you a good way to find it. I liked this guide a lot. It packed a ton of very useful information into a very digestible format. It's kind of like the cliff notes of understanding the issues at play. And even though it's geared more towards classroom instruction, I think there's a lot of great information that can be applied to individual instrumental learning as well. And vocal learning. Can't leave out the singers here. It has sections on the challenges of learning with dyslexia, suitable methodologies and practices, tools you can use in the classroom, and advice for teachers. It's clearly written, it's very concise, and I think it's a fabulous starting point to investigate this topic. It gives you concrete ideas that you can implement into your practice or your teaching. So I hope you'll get a chance to check that out. If you can't find it, send me a DM on Instagram, at KBBobo, with your email address, and I'll send the link over. All right, that's it for today. I'm not sure when I'll manage to get the next episodes out, but they will be coming eventually. In the meantime, I wish you all very happy practicing.